0: Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. I must admit I'm feeling a bit happy this week. Most weeks I feel a bit happy, but maybe even a bit more happy this week because I got to see Paul McCartney on his Got Back Tour last Saturday night. I think I've been a fan of Paul McCartney ever since I heard Live and Let Die on 2SM Radio many, many years ago. And ever since then, I've been buying every Paul McCartney album as they came out. And of course, um, Beatles albums as well. And the good thing is because he has so much material to draw on, I think he's put out something like 50 albums if you include things under other people's names like The Fireman and Thrillington uh, in his post-Beatle era, including Wings, of course. And of course, he's got the Beatles material to draw on. So a lot of stuff to draw on. And he used a lot of that, on. Saturday night when I saw his concert which ran for three hours covering something like 60 songs an amazing uh, feat so very impressive performance by Paul McCartney and good on him anyway another thing that keeps on keeping on of course is the Australian property market Occasional soft patches, but then it takes off again. And certainly that's what the latest figures show for the Australian property market up to October. Of course, the big surprise in the Australian housing market last year in 2022 was how quickly home prices fell with RBA rate hikes. But the big surprise this year is how they rebounded when most, including myself, were looking for further falls. October data from CoreLogic showed another 0.9% rise in national home prices, leaving them just 0.5% below their April 2022 record. So that includes, if you think about the period there, we had that massive run up into April of 2022 and prices nationally rose something like almost 30%. Then we had about a 7.5% plunge, according to data from CoreLogic. And since then, they've risen about 7.6%, which the way percentages go still leaves them a little bit shy of that high, but they're almost there. And in fact, prices in Brisbane, Adelaide and Perth are at record levels and in Sydney we're about 2.5% below but we'll soon go through that record. After the initial rebound earlier this year we had come to the conclusion that prices had probably bottomed and that our view that prices would continue falling was too pessimistic. So consequently we revised up our forecasts and included another 5% growth in property prices next year. This remains our view, but the outlook for the property market is a lot more uncertain than normal as the property market is caught between the extremes of a supply shortfall and the negative impact of higher interest rates, both of which are still playing out and are getting, if anything, more extreme than ever. First, let's have a look at the supply shortfall as it's dominating for now. The rebound in prices that we've seen since the lows in January this year reflects, I think, a far worse than expected shortfall of supply relative to underlying demand for homes as immigration rebounded, driving the fastest population growth rate since the 1950s. This was something that was not anticipated at the start of this year. But at the same time, the supply of new dwellings has slowed under the influence of material and labour shortages. And of course, more recently, we're starting to see approvals numbers decline as well so that points to a further slowing in the construction of new dwellings ahead. This, of course, all accentuated already tight rental markets with record low vacancy rates in rental markets, which forced rents up and drove some renters to consider buying. You know, you don't want to pay a 20% increase in your rents when you're trying to save up to buy a home. So many people, I think, decided to uh, bite the bullet and move into the property market. And of course, as a result of all of that, demand improved. Foreign buyers also came back through this year, but demand improved, but supply remains weak with total listings still below normal, even though they've started to Pick up. And then, of course, talk of rising prices and shortages further boosted demand from less interest sensitive buyers. I'll come on to them in a moment. Expectations that rates were at or close to the top have probably also helped. So let's look at some of these things or the key elements of these things in a little bit more detail. Net immigration looks to have been around 500,000 people in the last financial year. So half a million new people coming to Australia in the last financial year. That's more than doubled the 235,000 forecast for net immigration in last October's federal budget. And monthly arrivals data for recent months suggests that it's continuing to surge this financial year. So we're probably currently running in excess of an annual rate of 500,000. This, along with constrained completion of new homes with material and labour shortages and falling approvals has meant an ongoing rise in the accumulated undersupply of housing in Australia, which we estimate to have been around 120,000 dwellings as at the end of June, and it's projected to rise to about 190,000 dwellings, that is the shortfall, by the middle of next year. The government's commitment to produce 240,000 dwellings a year over five years is great news, but just bear in mind that it only starts from July 2024 and it may struggle to be achieved as we only completed 187,000 new dwellings per annum over the last five years. So it's the right objective. Question is whether it can be achieved. also, of course, it doesn't start until the middle of next year. Tight housing supply is reflected in record low rental vacancy rates and surging rents. Recent data has shown rental growth pushing up towards 10% on an annual basis. And of course, that in turn has driven some to think about buying and moving into the property market. So strong population growth, driving strong underlying demand for housing constrained supply and existing shortfall remains a strong source of support for home prices. If anything, that supply shortfall will get a bit worse over the next year, at least, before it starts to get better. But high rates may start to get the upper hand again. Just bear in mind that even when there is a supply shortfall, interest rates still matter. There's several points to make in relation to this. The first one is that the long-term bull market in property prices from the 1980s was underpinned by the shift from high inflation and high interest rates to low inflation and low interest rates going into the pandemic. For example, Mortgage rates at the end of the 80s going into the early 90s were around 17%. If you go back to years ago, you could get a mortgage for about 2% if you shopped around. This decline in interest rates over that long-term period on the back of a shift to low inflation allowed effectively a rise in home price to income levels and a similar rise in household debt. And of course, that was underpinned particularly over much of the last 20 years by a supply shortfall as again, underlying population growth exceeded the supply of new homes. This valuation effect boosted house prices by in our estimates around 3.3% per annum, accounting for something like 45% of the total increase in house prices since the early 1980s. So in other words, that decline in interest rates has allowed Australians to take on more debt, therefore pay more for homes. House prices have gone up in excess of what you would normally have seen in relation to say fundamentals or driven by fundamentals like rents. So of course, the bottom line is that if we have moved into a more inflation prone world with higher average interest rates, this structural boost for home prices that we've seen over the last four decades has quite possibly run its course and could even start to reverse. A higher interest rate world would mean people can't borrow as much, means they can't pay as much and obviously that puts downwards pressure on house prices compared to what they otherwise would have been. On virtually any metric you look at, Australian housing remains very expensive. Home price to income ratios are only just below record highs. They are at the high end of comparable countries, such as countries in Europe, the US and so on. And the time taken to save for a 20% deposit has more than doubled over the last 40 years from less than five years to now more than 10 years. And obviously that's for a person on average full-time earnings. Third point to note is that the rise in interest rates since May last year has caused a big hit to home buyer capacity to pay. We estimate that the capacity to pay for a home buyer borrower with a 20% deposit on full-time average earnings is around 29% lower than it was in April last year, for the simple reason that when they show up at the bank, they can't borrow as much for a given level of income as they could back in April last year. This threatens a downwards adjustment in home prices at some point, unless, of course, incomes rise dramatically or, alternatively, mortgage rates fall back dramatically, both of which seem a little bit unlikely at present. Of course, that hit to capacity to pay may have been offset this year by a pool of less interest-sensitive buyers, for example, those who had access to the bank of mum and dad, but, but, but that leaves the market vulnerable if the pool of such buyers is exhausted or becomes run down. Fourth point to note is that Australians continue to see this as a poor time to buy homes, consistent with very depressed levels of consumer confidence. This is based on data by the Westpac Melbourne Institute's Regular Consumer Sentiment Survey. This makes the current upswing in home prices somewhat unusual, as it's normally accompanied by improved sentiment towards property, whereas right now we're still seeing a very weak sentiment towards property, in fact, about as weak as it ever gets. Fifth point to the note is that new listings are trending up. They're still below historical averages, but they are trending up, and they're likely being boosted by increased listings from distressed sellers, including investors, with rental yields now falling further below mortgage rates. So some investors are thinking, well, the property's now paying for itself, I can't hang on to it any longer, and then they're choosing to sell. Of course, at this point, that would all be quite low, but I suspect the risk is that distress selling or investors seeking to offload, potentially increases over the next six months or so. Measures of mortgage stress are continuing to rise. Mortgage interest payments as a share of household income are rising to record levels, and scheduled payments are already at a record in relation to income levels, according to the RBA. And combining the RBA's own analysis in their recent financial stability review, and that's based on both variable and fixed interest rate borrowers, one in seven home borrowers are estimated to be in negative cash flow. And of course, that was as at July. Since then, that number will have moved higher. This will worsen, of course, if the RBA raises interest rates further, as now looks to be increasingly likely. Although I personally think they should hold pat, but it does seem as if they are going to move again, particularly after the higher underlying inflation numbers we saw a week ago. Final point to note is that just as rate hikes impact the economy with a lag, it's the same with the property market. This is because it takes time for rate hikes to cool demand, for unemployment to rise and for distressed sales to increase. So last year's slump in property prices that started as soon as interest rates started to rise maybe ran ahead of itself. Similarly, the last three major cyclical upswings in home prices have required lower interest rates to be sustained. With rate cuts still a long way away, the impact of past rate hikes still feeding through to demand and listings – and to jobs, of course, and the RBA looking like it will raise interest rates again, the risk of another leg down in property prices at some point in the next 6 to 12 months is high. So by way of some concluding comments, the first thing to note is that the combination of slowing home price growth since May, when it peaked at around 1.2% month-on-month on on the CoreLogic data, to most recently showing growth of 0.9% month-on-month, slowing auction clearance rates from the low to mid 70% range back in May to the low to mid 60% range more recently, and weak growth in housing finance suggests that housing demand is struggling to keep up with listings. The supply shortfall in the face of strong demographic demand has had upper hand this year, but high interest rates and their lagged impact look to be starting to reassert themselves. The headwinds of high interest rates and poor affordability will likely constrain the upswing at the very least and so our base case remains for price growth to slow to 5% next year and that's after what now looks likely to be around 9% growth this year. But it also means there is a very high risk of another leg down in average home prices emerging next year, particularly if the unemployment rate rises significantly. After surprising on the upside this year, the big surprise next year, year may be that home prices surprise on the downside. Interest rates, unemployment and auction clearance rates are the key indicators to watch. I hope this has been of some value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favourite streaming platform.